Colossians chapter 2. It may be a while in this verse. Amen. I could just jump through it, but I was having a hard time getting past it. Amen. I studied more and I added so much more to this page here. I can't run out of room. Amen. Colossians 2 8. Learn to, if you listen to Dr. Ruckman, I know you on YouTube probably just shut it off now, but I, I like Dr. Ruckman. He's got something. Amen. He's got something to say, and I like it. I'll get all I can from a man that's studied and knows some things. And you listen to him very often, he'll quote Colossians 2 8 quite often. Amen. Especially his church history. He'll be going through the Colossians 2 8. Colossians 2 8. Why does he quote Colossians 2 8 all the time? Because it says, Beware! This is a warning to a Laodicean Christian, a Christian that's living in the Laodicean church age, which we are in. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after who? See, there's the issue. you got to be careful of men on radio, television, books. It doesn't matter what church, what religion, what the title is above the door. Somebody's going to lead you after themselves and the traditions of men, or they're going to lead you after Christ. See, that's the bottom line. That's why I go to church. That's why I wanted to go to church. That's why I came up to charity to go to Bible Institute. I wanted to know Him and His book and His Word. And I got to sit under men that know this book and know Him. And when I hear somebody preach that knows Him, I, I'm drawn to Him. I said, man, I hope some of that will rub off on me. Some of that will fall off on me. Amen. I love being around men that spend time with Him. It does. That's, that's what I'm chasing. Somebody said this one time. A guy's name is Roy Butler. He's up in Alaska right now. And old brother Roy said, faith is like a scent. You know, a rabbit runs by, it leaves a scent. It leaves a trail. And that hound will follow that scent. Right? A, a bank robber, somebody runs and they pull out the canine dog and that dog will follow that scent. He said, faith is like following that scent. You know, God passes by and you just, you're sniffing him out. You follow him as he goes by. Amen. Amen. I like that. I said, man, I, that's what I want. Amen. I want to follow after God. He said, follow me. Right? And then Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And you know what? I'm following Paul and many follow Paul. Amen. You said you're following man. Everybody's following man. Is it is the right man? Is it a man that believes the book? Is it a man that's going to build your faith in the Word of God? Is it a man that's going to draw you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is an empire builder trying to build an empire in a name for himself? I'm not interested in trying to build a name for myself. I'm interested in making him great. The Bible said, seek not great things for thyself. So I said, all right, I won't. I ain't seeking to be great. Let's go to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. Amen. Uh, so many people want to be the great, the greatest preacher, the greatest soul winner, the greatest singer, the great. I don't want to be great. <clears throat> He's great, and I just want everybody to know what a great God I serve. Amen. Jeremiah 9. Amen. Jeremiah chapter number 9. Well, I tell you what, I, I like, I love him. Amen. 
don't know where all the verses are at that I'm looking for right now, so I need a little cheat here. Amen. But Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Amen. Says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not man, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but him that glorieth, let him glory in this, that he understandeth and what? Knoweth me. Amen. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for him. Amen. And uh, that's what I want. He that understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord and exercise loving kindness and judgment righteousness of the earth. And in these things I delight, say the Lord. Uh, I just want to, I just want to glory in him. Jeremiah 45. I knew I'd, I knew I'd find it. Jeremiah 45. Sort of pays to read parts of the Bible nobody else wants to read, right? <laughs> huh? A lot of people don't want to read the Old Testament prophets long, Lord, who wants to get in that? There's nuggets hidden in the Word of God. Amen. So I'm reading Jeremiah 45. Verse 4, Thus shalt thou say unto him, uh, Thus saith the Lord, or the Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built, I will break down. Amen. And that which I, I planted, I will pluck up, even this whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself, what? Seek them not. Behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. For thy life will I give unto thee for a prey. And all the places where there all goes. I understand who he's talking about, what he's talking about. But God right there to me spoke to my heart. He said, son, don't seek great things for yourself. Amen. Amen. I just ceased to quit seeking great things. Why? Because he's great. I want to know the great God that formed all things. And I want to know him so intimately and so closely. And I want to know his book. And I desire to hear men talk to me about him out of this book. That's what I'm praying. Amen. I'm not in the empire building. I'm not worried about building the world's largest church, the world's largest Sunday school, having the most souls saved. I ain't interested in all that. Somebody said, I'm trying to win America. I quit trying to win America. America ain't going to get saved. But I'm trying to win Americans. Amen. Amen. The Titanic's going down. And when the Titanic went down, they had a lot of empty lifeboats. They could have put more people in lifeboats than they did. And you know what? I was just trying to get somebody in a lifeboat. I'm just trying to get somebody to Christ. Trying to get the Word of God to them, the Holy Ghost, to have something to work on. Put them under divine conviction. Yeah. Amen. Beware. Beware, Colossians 2.8. Colossians 2.8. What is philosophy? Beware of philosophy. Because any man spoil you through philosophy. Philosophy is philo, right? It's a... Uh, Right? It's a Philly, Philly, like Philip. Brotherly love. It's dealing with love, right? Philosophy, so sophophy is wisdom. It's a lover of wisdom. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Let's go to Acts chapter number 17. Men are lovers of philosophy. They the uh, in other words, let me put it to you another way. A lover of opinions. And thoughts of men. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I like what Luke O'Donnell said. We quote him quite often. He said Peter went out and wept bitterly. And he said, why was Peter weeping bitterly? He said, number one, Peter had too high of an opinion of his opinion. Men love their opinions. Men love their thoughts. They, they love what they think. Men are big thinkers. But they're thinking outside the box. And today to be a big thinker is a man that corrects the King James Bible 
and a man that despises Jesus Christ. If you can put Jesus Christ away and you can put down the Bible and criticize it and walk independent of it, you're considered to be a big man. Amen. Uh, so uh, if you want to claim yourself as an atheist and you want to be a student of whatever you want to study, they'll make a hero out of you. Amen. Look at uh, Acts 17, 16. Acts 17, 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Notice it was his spirit. Uh, his spirit got stirred up. It didn't say the Holy Ghost stirred his spirit. It just said his spirit stirred him, in him. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Amen. When you see people that's not right with God living and worshiping false doctrines and false, it ought to put a burden in your heart. It'll stir you up to be moved to try to help that individual, right? Amen. And uh, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore, in view of that, he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews. He disputed. What, what's a better way to put that? I'm not trying to correct the King James Bible. He argued with it. Right? I ain't going to argue about the Bible. you got to get out there and you got to contend with them. Earnestly contend for the faith. Sometimes you got to butt heads. Amen. Sometimes, you know, we're a ram. We're a sheep. A male, male sheep's a ram. <laughs> you know what they do? They butt heads. Oh, And, you know, a lot of people sit back, a lot of preachers sit back, they don't like what I'm about to say, but they say, you know, everything in the church goes butt, 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 it's a goat. Yeah, a goat's like putting their horns down, butting you and hitting you, right? So the male sheep. And there ain't no goat that can stand against the sheep when he wants to ram you. Them male sheep Clyde heads like, I mean, they they ring, they they'll flat knock you out. They knock each other out sometimes. Right? And sometimes in the church it's not a goat. Maybe it's a couple young little bucks. Amen. It's just button heads want to take on the big buck every now and then until he gets some sense knocked in his head. Right? Hello. I mean, I don't care what brand of animal it is out there, a deer, an elk. Well, they'll, they'll come up, they lock horns, man, and they battle. Amen. They're going to do it. And it, it's not necessarily to overthrow the preacher sometimes. It's just sometimes like a little boy, like my son, you know, he wants to come up and say, hey, Dad, come on, let's get it on. Let's duke it out a little bit. You know what I mean? And a boy is always wanting to come up and try man. Well, sometimes that'll happen even in churches. But it's a natural instinct in church to have a little ram want to come up butt heads with a big ram. Amen. And sometimes a big ram's got to butt heads with somebody. Well, same thing out in Christianity when you're out there witnessing. There's a bunch of false sheep out there. There's a bunch of false goats out there. And sometimes on their doorstep, you got to knock a head. Sometimes you got to do it on the job site. Sometimes you got to do it on the street corner. Sometimes you got to put some of these clowns in their place. And when you do something like that, like in Acts 10, number 13, when Paul blinded that individual, amen, John Mark got offended and got all bent out of shape. And uh, he got offended at Paul's tactics in soul winning. But a deputy got saved out of that. And people don't like sometimes harsh tactics. And it divided Barnabas and Paul's fellowship. And Paul went with Silas and Barnabas went with John Mark. And that's about the end of Barnabas that you hear him running with the man of God. And the Bible said that the contention was so sharp amongst them that they had to divide. The brethren, why? Because they didn't like the way Paul blinded a man that was in unbelief. Amen. Sometimes you got to dispute. Sometimes you got to butt heads. Sometimes you got to lay it down thick. 
Sometimes you got to take the sword. Cursed be he that uses the sword deceitfully. Cursed be he that keeps the sword back from blood. Sometimes you got to take the sword of God and you got to go. Now Ehud, in Judges chapter number four, I believe it is, he, he went in to the king. And he went into him and he said, I got an errand for thee, O king. And he came and he stuck that uh, dagger into that, that king's. Was it Ehud? It was. Stuck his stuck that dagger in there, huh? Yeah, his left hand of Benjamin. So he came in, he pulled the, the sword out of his right thigh, and he. But he he had an eighteen inch dagger, and he threw it in there, and then it said the haft went in on there, went in because the man was so fat, the handle that was on the dagger went in, and he couldn't pull the dagger out. And then the Bible says, and the dirt come out. You know what the dirt was? It was Bibles, and the dirt come out. Doc Ruckman said, and other preachers have said, sometimes you got to take the dagger of the Word of God and you got to stick somebody. You know what? The dirty can come out. And a lot of soul winners are afraid to stick people with the Word of God and say something that's going to cut them. But the only way they're ever going to get it is they got to get cut to the heart. That's why they cut on Stephen. He said, You men full well reject the Holy Ghost. Man, they're cut to heart. You got to cut them sometimes. We can't always love W and take the oil of the Word of God and put it on them. Hopefully God will bake it into their skin. Amen. No, sometimes you got to cut. They were pricked when their conscience was pricked. we got to prick them. we got to stick them. Amen. Paul's down here disputing. He disputed where? In the synagogue. He went to their church. I'm not saying we ought to go to Catholic church and bang heads with priests and all that stuff. I don't, I'm not saying we ought to go down here to the Christian Life Center and get in there and tell them, No, you're not tongues are for a sign. <laughs> you know, I don't think we ought to go break up their services. But I'm just saying, Paul went to the synagogues. He knew the system. He knew it. He was a Jew. He was a, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he had a burden when that Jew, and he'd go to the synagogues and he'd dispute with them. He'd open up the Old Testament and he'd show them how Christ was a promise of God and then how he was going to die for our sins. He quote Malachi, or I mean Isaiah 53 and things like that, try to reason with them out of the scriptures. Look what he says. Therefore disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in where? In the market when? Daily. And with them that met with him. Amen. Not everybody's going to meet with him. Not everybody's going to give you an opportunity. In today's time, people don't want to give you a time of day to even knock on their door. Can I talk to you? I'm busy. I got, I got 3,000 television stations to watch. I ain't got time to talk to you. Like, God! You understand? <laughs> Amen. That's the hardest part about soul winning is find somebody who's willing to talk to you. Amen. Now, if you wanted to just shoot the bull, amen, they, they got everybody in the world want to talk to you. You want to talk to them about God? I ain't got time. I ain't got time to talk to you. You understand? Now, you want to argue, maybe they want to be. But most people don't want to talk about God. Most people don't. When you start putting them under conviction, they want to shut the door on you real quick. People are doing everything they can to avoid conviction. People are doing everything they can not to listen to their conscience. That's why music's playing all the time. Television's playing all the time. Something's going on all the time. They can't have sat quiet. Because all of a sudden, when they get quiet, and the crickets start cricketing, all of a sudden, man, they start having a problem. Because their thoughts begin to start haunting them. Right? They can't live with what's going on inside there. So they gotta have something to keep their motor because they don't like who they are. And that's why they're getting high, and that's why they're partying, and that's why they're seeking fellowship and then they're depressed. Why are they depressed? Because they're spending too much time thinking about themselves. 
Yeah. So then you want to show somebody about Jesus that can give them hope and give them life. No, oh, man, I've heard all about Jesus. I don't want that. I, I want something else. And they want to get high and they want to get drunk and try to forget who they are. They want to forget about the problems. They've watched Hollywood and they say, everybody's played. Everybody's having a good time. I'm not having a good time. I want to go out and play with them. The devil's got all kinds of offers for people not to think about what they are and where they're going and how to get out of what they're in. And so they offer them a beautiful religion. They'll give them a counterfeit. And they'll go someplace and they'll make them feel good about themselves and they'll salve their conscience. And say, I'm all right. I ate a cookie today. I'm all right. I kept special my sins of a man wearing a dress. I'm all right. I, I was water baptized. I said, I'll make it okay. Well, I'll tell you what, they're doing everything they can. Here, kiss this statue every day. Here, put this rosary around your neck and count. I said, Hail Mary, around every one of these beads. You'll be all right. Mormons, here, put on this underwear pedal basket for two years. You'll be all right. You understand? Here, drove a witness, pass out all these watchtowers downtown, sell them. You'll be all right. Come on, sign up. See, if you get a man to tell him he's got to do something to earn it, he can feel better about himself, so he's out there trying to earn it. Yeah. Amen. Listen, men are trying to stab their conscience any way they can. There's people that can't stab their conscience, so they start cutting themselves. They know they're guilty about something, and they know they're trying to inflict injury to themselves. Amen. Others, they just full-blown rebellion and just want to just do everything that's ungodly and unnatural. They just want to roll in. You ever see a dog roll in a dead animal? Oh, a dead animal on the side of the road, worms a magazine, a dog over there, he'll just roll in that thing. Like, what in the world do you do? They just, they just like the filth. Some people are just going to dive in it. They know it's wrong and they relish it. Say, I'm a rebel and I'm going to go all the way. That's what they do. Devout. Look at what he said. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the marketplace and then that met him. And certain who? Philosophers. Colossians 2.8. Lovers of philosophy. Of the Epicureans and the Stoics. Amen. Encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? And others, some, he seemed to be a set of forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. There's your, there's your message. I mean, you want to give somebody help? It's Christ and the resurrection. Why did Christ resurrect? Why did Christ resurrect? Jesus and the resurrection. Why did Christ resurrect? <laughs> he preached Jesus and the resurrection. Why was Christ resurrected? He defeated death. Why did, why did, why did he die? From what? He died for our sins. See, he made a payment for our sins by dying. And therefore, he said, no man taketh my life. I lay it down freely and I'll take it up again. He rose under his own power to show you he could defeat death, hell, and the grave. Man's worst enemies. Right? The worst enemy to any home, to any man, is the grave. And there's no hope beyond the grave. Mary Baker Eddy had a phone put in her casket and said, I'm calling you from the other side. It hadn't rung yet. It ain't ever going to ring. You understand? There's an empty tomb over there in Jerusalem. And they spread lies saying his disciples came and stole his body away when he had Roman soldiers there to guard it. What was it, four quaternions or something like that? They had a bunch of soldiers there to watch it. You know what? Jesus knocked them out. How? With his presence. <laughs> yep. Pure majesty and holiness stepped out of there and then gone. You understand? He knocked them out. Two angels sitting up there on a stone. 
stone rolled away. Jesus rose from the grave. Greatest story that ever been known and told to mankind. And you know what? That's what Paul's preaching. Jesus and the resurrection. The greatest hope, there's life after the grave. You don't have to be afraid to die. You don't have to like how you're going to die. You don't have to be afraid to die. Why? He left the door open. <laughs> he said, I'm coming back for you. Boy, what hope? That's hope. He gave him hope. Nobody had that kind of hope. Verse 19. And they took him and brought him unto Aragopagus, saying, May we know this new doctrine, whereof thou speakest this? For thou bring certain strange things in our ears, that we would know, therefore, what these things mean. For the Athenians and the strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else, either to tell or to hear some new thing. See, that's what everybody's all caught up in, you know. All, all the computer technologies and everything else like that, just something new, something new, Hollywood, all this other kind of stuff. People people just looking for something. I don't care if it's a gadget, it's a sport, it's a politic. I don't care which world you want to get in, the sports world, the political world, the angelic world, the medical world. I don't care. There's all kinds of things out there just to occupy your time to keep you from coming to God. Yeah. Amen. And the devil's got 24-7. 365, television all the time, stores are open all the time, amen, places you can play. I mean, some places even got night golf and night baseball and other things. What? Just to keep you to where you party all night, casinos open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? 365. I don't think that casino's ever going to shut down. You understand? Why? Just to keep you away from God, to keep your time full, keep you to a place to where you don't think about God. Amen. Why do you think I wrote that track? No solicitor. Somebody wrote a sign, stuck a sign on the door, said, nobody will get me now. I'll scare away all the Christians. Yeah, well, I've got some riled up because we put no soliciting sign on the door. <laughs> That's your track. Amen. I had one guy slapped me with the track, hit me in the head, tried to knock my hat off, give me back my track. And he goes, can't you read? I said, what does that mean? He said, can't you read? I said, what does that mean? Can't you read? <laughs> he slammed it on me. I just wanted him to tell me what the word soliciting meant. I just wanted to see if he'd be an honest man, and he was just mad. I said, what are, you, what are you mad at God for? Why don't you want somebody to knock on your door and tell you about Jesus? People don't want it. People don't want it. They're lovers of philosophy. Amen? They think education is the answer. Yeah. But only educated what they want you to be educated. Like they think it's so important for five-year-olds to be educated in fornication. Amen? I don't understand that. I don't understand why a kid trying to learn his ABCs and hadn't even learned them yet, they think he's got to learn fornication. Now they're trying to now they're trying to change to tell a kid at kindergarten that he's not really a boy or girl. It's up to him to decide what he wants to be or she wants to be. And there's parents that are trying to pick the gender of their kid. If they're born a boy and they want a girl, they're going to make it a girl. Parents choosing the gender of their children. And we're not to tell them what they are. I'll tell you something. I had a boy and a girl. And you know what? There's things about a boy that's natural. And a boy's going to be a boy and a girl's going to be a girl. And the girl gravitated towards dolls and the boy gravitated towards guns. Amen. That's a good thing. Yeah. Amen. My son gravitated towards soldiers and policemen and shooting and banging. And he's, and he's going bang, bang, bang. He's shooting everything under the sun. I'd come home and he's out there. He's got his cowboy hat. I said, man, the neighbor's going to sure enough get me one of these days. Amen. Right? Priscilla played with all her little dollies. Hey, Amen. I loved it. Two years old, she's got a little doll, a little dress on, a sweater. 
And she's standing there with that little dolly under her arm talking to this lady at this Christian bookstore. She's going, her eyes are real big and backing up. Priscilla just kept talking to her, following her. Here's this little adult, two years old, using four-letter words, eight, four-foot-long words, and that woman's backing up. Couldn't believe a human, uh, an adult voice was coming out of a two-year-old girl. Scared her to death. <laughs> Girly things come naturally to a girl. Manly things come naturally to a boy. Amen? And I've seen a woman that had a boy. She was effeminized. And he's grown up and he's playing with dolls and everything else because mama didn't know any better. Didn't have a daddy there to raise him. It's unnatural for a boy to play with a doll. And I, he ain't created that way. None of them are made that way. It's a choice. Amen? There ain't nobody that's a sodomite. Amen? God made me a sodomite. No, he didn't. You had a choice. And you made a bad choice and a wrong choice. No girl grows up and said, I was predestinated to be a hooker. No, she looked at it and a bunch of them say, I want some quick, easy money. I don't want to study books. Yeah. And all men like to smooch, and I like to smooch, so I'll let them smooch on me so I can get paid big bucks. And I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Hey, right? Amen. It's not natural. It's unnatural. But they bought into what the world says to do. They, they're going to their universities, their schools, their colleges, the lovers of wisdom. They say wisdom lives and dies and breathes within. And at the end of it, who's God? If you go to a federal public school, well then who's, the, who's God? The government. And so the government's telling you, you come and you get educated under us, and you be loyal to us, and we'll train you to serve us. You don't need God. You don't need Jesus. You don't. Listen, by law, they're supposed to teach evolution and creation. But they go against the law because they don't like Jesus Christ. They hate him. They threw him out. Right? Yeah, man. Got to beware of philosophy. Lovers of wisdom. They worship the mind. You know what it is? Humanism. You know what humanism is? The lover of man. Man is the measure of all things. And you know what God said? Beware of humanism. Amen. Yeah, so you got to be you got to be careful. All right. Let's go. Uh, let's go to Galatians chapter six. The next thing, beware of philosophy. And then he said, vain deceit. Vain. You know what vain is? Vain is empty. It's worthless. It's nothing. Amen? Right? Man in his best state is altogether what? Vanity. Nothing. At his best, it's nothing. So how do you know that? Well, I like what the Bible says. You want a verse that just rubs man the wrong way? You want to see a verse that's going to rub every individual the wrong way? Galatians chapter number 6, verse 3. If a man think himself to be something when he's what? Nothing. He what? Deceiveth himself. Well, you want to, you want to take the stem out of your head right now? Listen, God's got a way of humbling men and pulling their stem out and letting all the air out of their head. Amen. Men begin to think there's something, and God says back, says, I'm going to show you you're nothing. Right? He's going to begin to show strong men that they're weak. He's going to show smart men that they're dumb. Right? He, he's got a way of humbling people and showing them all that. This book's against man. This book's 100% negative against man. That's why people hate this book. It's negative. It's negative. It's negative. 
For God so loved, past tense positive, the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was negative as far as how he died, right? And then he said over there that who shall believe in them shall not what? Perish, negative, but have what? Everlasting life, right? Jesus Christ what? Died for our sins, negative. He was buried, he died, negative. For our sins, negative. Buried, negative. Rose again the third day. Three-fourths, negative. Man don't like that. Well, this is negative. This does not paint man in a good light. Right? If you think you're something when you're nothing, you're deceiving yourself. You say, well, I'd like to think I'm something. Well, I just know what I am. I'm nothing. And I take God's side against myself. That's the greatest day in your life. Take God's side against yourself. So you're right, God. I'm nothing. And in fact, I'm beyond nothing. I'm less than zero. I'm a minus zero. Because you take zero and you kick the ring off, then you have nothing. So I'm minus zero. <laughs> Amen. He said, but I'd like to think that's just a pride of man. Man's pride. You know what this world nurtures and feeds? They feed pride. They nurture pride. They love pride. They want you to feel good about yourself. They want you to feel all this self-worth and self-esteem. And it's all self. You spell self backwards, what do you get? Flesh. It's flesh. Flesh. The flesh profiteth what? Nothing. nothing. So the sooner we get a hold of that thing and realize I'm nothing, the best I can do in the flesh is worthless to God. It's unacceptable. It's what I do in the spirit. It's what he does through me. So therefore I cannot, therefore I will not. And so I just yield in God. I am nothing. And so I take this body that you want that's worthless to nothing. I present it to you to use my members however you see fit. Take my mind and use it. Not my ways, but. Oh, oh. Not my ways, but. Not mine. You understand? For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ. Yet not I, but Christ. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. See, dying to self is the hardest thing in Christianity. That, that's something you've got to do daily. Paul said, I die daily. That's something you have to do daily. Something you have to do probably moment by moment. Minute by minute. Hour by hour. Day by day. Not my will, but time be done. Not my will, but time be done. Not my will, but time be done. Right? Look at what it says. Let every man prove his own work. And then shall they have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate on him that teaches in all good things. Be not what? God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap. Oh my God. Dr. Rutman said that's the most disbelieved verse in all the word of God. Men don't believe there's a consequence for what they do, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Yeah. You go out and you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap the corruption. Guaranteed. Amen. He that soweth to the Spirit, the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit, or shall of the Spirit reap what? Life everlasting. You understand what I'm saying? 
It's important for you to sow to the Spirit versus sowing to the flesh. It's a choice. It's a battle. Amen. The contrary one to another. You cannot do the things that you would. Why? Because of the fight. Because of the two natures. The battle that goes on between two natures. Right? Two natures struggle in my breast. The one is foul, the other blessed. The new one I love, the old one I hate. The one I feed will dominate. Amen. That's the key. Amen. Vain deceit. A man will deceive himself when he thinks he's something. Yep. Vain deceit. A man will go about to try to accomplish the will of God and the work of God his own way. It's vain deceit. The Bible says that when we build upon the foundation which is Christ Jesus, Paul the master builder built thereon, he said, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's a take heed how he builds. Not how much he builds, but how he builds. Quality versus quantity. A bunch of men are out there trying to do quantity. And I'm not against quantity. But as he said, how a man builds quality. And you know what? All that works can be tried by fire. I, I like to use the illustration of a conveyor belt. We got a conveyor belt at work that goes into a furnace. We put our parts in that furnace and then it goes up that belt and it goes through the furnace and comes out the other side. All wood hay and stubble ain't, uh, ain't going to make it through the fire. And guess what? The Bible says you're going through the fire too. <laughs> Amen. And some people can be saved yet so as by fire. By the skin of their teeth. And they're going to go through it. And guess what? What comes out on the other side is what's done for Christ. That's going to last. What's done for self is gone. It's burned up. There's a bunch of people who will be puffing their chest out when they're going through. Look at me. They come out the other side. They're going to barely have anything. Well, I'll tell you what. Works of the flesh. Like I told you, wood takes a long time to grow. Pictures long-term growth. You make two-by-fours, two-by-eights, plywood, things like that. Builds big buildings. They last a long time. Hay is a seasonal crop. And it gets ate up pretty quick by the cattle. A lot of times it'll mold in the barn and rot. Stubble's all that stuff that's left over. When I opened up my razor yesterday and I dumped out all the stubble, people are going to be so desperate trying to get something to God, they're going to be scraping up the, the stubble, sweeping it all up here. Throw this in. <laughs> Hoping they're adding a little bit extra to the rewards in heaven. And God says, you give me leftovers. You give me refuge. You're giving me scraps. Well, I tell you what, I want to give God the best. Amen? Listen, vain to see. The man build himself to be something that he's not. Trying to build something that God's not in. I, I tell you, I, I'd rather have God than anything I know. Vain deceit. Next, Colossians 2.8. Not only do we have vain deceit, not only do we have philosophy, amen, root and build up in him. Well, see, beware lest any man spoil you that's ruined you through uh, philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Let's go to Mark chapter number 7. After the tradition of men. You know what's killing churches today? Traditions. You know what the Catholic Church tells you? The Catholic Church tells you that they fall in the traditions of men. I'm listening to Dr. Ruckman's church history. Everybody do well to listen to Dr. Ruckman's church history. 
I've done heard it about five times. I've gone through it again. And as I listen to the church history, the Catholic Church is founded on the traditions and things that were said by the church fathers, especially the apostolic fathers, the fathers, the church fathers that preceded the apostles. And they're, they're uh, anti-Nicene church fathers. They're before the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. And there's a bunch of good men that were saved that said some things that were written down and the Catholic Church builds on those things that those men said in the heresies. Like Justin Martyr believed in baptismal regeneration for a baby. Justin Martyr was a good man. But he said he believed in infant baptism and they pick it up and they run with it. I think it was Irenaeus or Ignatius, one of those two turned around and said something about the Catholic Church. And he's talking about the universal church. The church of the body of Christ is worldwide, but the Catholic Church picks that up and runs with it. And there's a bunch of different doctrines that they choose and they hold to that were things that were said through the early church fathers that they adopt. And therefore, when they set up their council, the council of Nicaea under the uh, Emperor Constantine, they turned around and basically established the corruption of the Roman Catholic Church when paganism and Romanism and everything, and, and they, they met together and they took the old uh, Jewish priesthood and everything and brought it in with the paganism and with Rome being in power, they created a, a church-state-run organization. And it's been corrupt and sent the world into the dark ages. And for a thousand years, the world was in darkness. Amen? Until the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> and this book brought us out of darkness. Amen? Like the one preacher told me, he said, Was the world in darkness before Peter S. Ruckman ever came around? I said, what's Ruckman got to do with anything? And I read the preface, amen, the Episcopal Dedicatory of the King James Translators, and it says, whom they desire to keep in ignorance and darkness. The Pope and Popish persons desire to keep the world in ignorance and in darkness in the dark ages, and when the Protestant Reformation Bible came out, amen, Luther's Bible and the King James Bible, when they came out, sent this world in a revival and they rejected the Roman Catholic Church they accepted this book and they worshiped this book and revival's gone out the window since they rewrote the book amen amen Romans or Mark chapter number 7 verse 7 how be it in vain do they worship me teaching doctrines teaching for the doctrines for doctrines the commandments of men for laying aside the commandments of God ye hold tradition of men as a washing of pots and cups and many other such things you do, or like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well, you reject the commandments of God, that you may keep what? Your own tradition. Verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions. Amen. Well, I tell you what, that's what they're doing. They said, well, we're going to do it this way. This is the way we've always done it. This is what we're always going to do. And you know what? One thing men learn from history is that? They never learn. They never learn from history. And if you neglect the lessons that history teaches, you're condemned to repeat them again. And men are going to do that over and over and over again. Listen, I hate tradition. I like breaking tradition. You go to the average church, amen, uh, they got to do it the same way every time. I, I like today's service, this morning's service. Amen, we had testimony service before we even did anything else. Before we even sung, we had testimony, right? 
And then we got to singing and having fellowship, and the next thing you know, God blew in here. Mm -hmm. Why? We changed it all up. There's people that come in here and go, I can't believe you take up an offer. I've been in churches and candidate churches, and we ain't taking up offerings, and they go, man, you didn't take up an offer. No, because I'm breaking tradition. I'm good at breaking tradition. Amen? I like it. I like changing things up. I like doing it. Brother Lovell, one day I, was, I came into church at 7 o'clock. He said, we're changing it up tonight. Brother Parks, get up here and preach. No prayer, no song, no nothing. He just called me out of the blue. Had no idea. I'm glad I had a fresh message. I got up and preached. And then we signed. We had fellowship. Why? Just to kick the devil. Just to break up tradition. Amen? I don't like traditions. Thanksgiving one year. Amen? I looked there and said, we ain't having turkey. We're having dominoes. Amen? We called in had dominoes pizza for Thanksgiving. He said, why? Just to kick tradition in the mouth. Amen? I hate it. I hate it. Amen. This one lady asked me this year, she said, y'all ready for Easter? I said, oh yeah, especially the day after. She looked at me. I said, why? I said, candy's 50% off. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I just like kicking tradition. Amen. I hate it. I, I told this one lady down in Mississippi, she never believed me. I, I said, I hate diamonds. I can't stand diamonds. She goes, why? I said, because everybody judges a man according to what size rock he buys his girl. I said, that really determined what a man is and how big of a rock he buys her. I said, what if you can't afford a big rock? She goes, Brother Cliff, you're going to buy your little pretty blonde wife a, a diamond, ain't you? I said, no, I ain't, ain't going to do it. She said, yeah, you will, Brother Cliff. You'll, you'll compromise. You'll buy her a diamond. So guess what? We wound up meeting Miss Vicky, and we got up there and met Miss Annie Man. I said, hey, Miss Annie Man. She said, yes. Look at Vicky's hand. Looked at it. Brother Cliff, you didn't get her a diamond? And Vicky goes, I hate diamonds. I don't want diamonds. And I said, she goes, well, Brother Cliff, God gave you a girl right after your own heart, didn't he? I said, Amen. If I went out and paid $2,500 for a diamond ring, she'd slap me. She would. She said, what are you wasting it for? We can put it in missions or do something for God. She would. Amen. I said, that's what kind of heart I want. Amen. She's not above that. I've tried to even talk to her. I said, how about me buying you a ruby or something like that? She goes, it's just a waste of money. She don't even want me to buy her flowers. Amen. She said, you're just wasting money. Listen, I, listen, I understand that. She understands the flattery. She understands that I love her. She'd rather me text her every day and tell her how, much, how great she is. Amen? Right? Amen? One day I took a piece of metal. I had an old piece of scrap metal. I pulled out my tin snips where I was building, still building, and I cut me out a little heart. Amen? And then I drew a little picture on there, and I told her I loved her. And I brought home a piece of scrap metal and gave that to her. She started crying. Amen? <laughs> gave her a piece of scrap metal. Why? I took time to do something just to show that I love her. Amen? And then uh, one day I really got her good. I wrote on the mirror, I... Love you with a bar of soap. Oh. Amen. She liked the note, but then she said, please don't do that again. <laughs> Amen. Listen, I wanted to find somebody that loved God, feared God, enjoyed God, believed God. You understand what I'm saying? Just to kick the traditions. Amen. I found somebody that doesn't like Christmas like I don't. You don't like all the holidays. Amen. We're not into all that stuff. She don't have to have a box of chocolate on Valentine's Day. You understand? I say, why? We're just against tradition. I just want, I like kicking. I like rubbing the cat the wrong way. Amen? So why? Because it's tradition. Everybody says, we got to do it because we got to do it. Does somebody really, on Swedish Day, somebody buys you a card, does that mean they really loved you on Swedish Day? When a girl says back, why don't you buy me a tether? Why don't you give me a card? Why don't you buy me diamonds? Why don't you buy me gold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. Amen? Right? The reason I didn't do it, I just want to prove you as a nag. <laughs> right? Negativity, right? <laughs> Negative and nagging together. Negativity. I made a word up, Nick. It's not the dictionary, right? 
Amen. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be ugly. Listen, I love my wife. I try to do the best I can possibly humanly do. Amen. I try to show her love all the time. Invited her out to eat the other night. Amen. Made her pay for it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Listen, kicking tradition. I do the same thing in religion. I hate religion. If religion says we've got to do something, I don't want to do it. I hate, everybody says we've got to have a sunrise service. Why? <laughs> people say you got to wash people's feet. I got Dax upset about that, washing feet. And he believed in foot washing. He's talking to me all about it. I said, Dax, we don't do that anymore. He said, why? I said, if we're going to really do it right today, we ought to have a shoe shine service. Oh, man, that rubbed him the wrong way. He, he did not do that. I said, we got to shine shoes, bro. I said, it's hypocritical when you make an announcement for everybody to go out there and bathe your feet, clean your feet, put shoe powder in there, and get all your doctor shoals, make your feet smell really good because we're going to clean each other's feet today. I said, when they wash feet, they had dirty feet. They was out on the roads, and they was out in dirt roads, and they was walking in, and they had sandals on, their feet were filthy. When they wash people's feet, they're washing filthy feet. It's hypocritical for a bunch of people to assemble in a church to try to clean each other's feet when they already washed them and prepped them and cleaned them and then go through something they think is an example. I said, you want to do it right, why don't you shine shoes? He didn't like that, but that's what I would do just to kick tradition. We're going to have a shoe shine, sir. Why? Just to kick it. You understand what I'm saying? And then there's a bunch of people who think that you got to have the Lord's Supper every day. And they got to have it every week. And some people got to have it once a month. And some people got to have it every Sunday night. And, and you know what? The Bible says as often as you do. So there's no set date on it. Everybody wants to do it around Passover. Well, let's do it around Passover. Okay, I won't do it around Passover. You say, why? Because I'm kicking tradition. I hate tradition. Right? They hate that box right there. Amen? Why? Because, you, because if you love God, you'll get it. Right? Why should I force you? I'm not going to beat you up. I know a preacher that told his students, his preacher boys, he said, every time an offering plays past, you put something in it, even it's a buck. Why? To him, that's prime and a pump. Everybody's giving, you got to give. I'd rather give my offering once a month or once a week and know that I'm giving my 10% than to turn around and just have to give because the place being passed is divide my check down into $5 bills so I can stick a five in every time the plate's passed so I can look good amongst the bread. That's a bunch of junk. That's plastic. Forget it. Amen. I get paid every two weeks. That's when I, it goes in. You understand what I'm saying? And there's no big show. Nobody hoopla about it. And I appreciate everything you guys have given to the men that we've had in here. I appreciate you reaching a little deeper and giving a little more to help some people. Amen. That's not a, that's not usually the way we do things around here. Why? Because I just like kicking tradition. I hate tradition. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And uh, you say, why do you hate it? Because of verses like this. Let's go to First Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. I just like breaking tradition. Now listen, there are some good traditions, and we'll get into the verse that teaches that. But you just got to make sure it's something of God and not something of man. Right? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, two of the best verses in the Scripture. Amen. It says, uh, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your father. He's saying the traditions that your fathers had with all these gold and silver and precious things, listen, they could not redeem you. Gold and silver and money and tradition and religious works cannot buy your soul. Can't do it. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb Amen. Without blemish and without spot. Listen, it's the precious blood of Christ. It's the blood. It's the blood. It's the blood. 
And you know what Peter did there? He kicked tradition. Jesus kicked tradition. You know what Peter did? He kicked tradition. There ain't nothing you can do. The kids sang it tonight. Paid in what? Fool. It's paid. Right? Listen, I understand there's similarities. Every service you could have songs for the most part. Every service you could have preaching. Listen, I understand church services. We can get in a rut. It's good to change it up. It's good to mix it up. Right? God mixed it up this morning, didn't he? Amen, amen, amen. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter number 1. Beware. Beware of philosophy that any man spoil you. Any man, notice that. Any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions. I'm against tradition. Uh, Paul's talking in verse 10. He said, For do I not persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I would yet please men, I should not be the servant of who? I take that literally. You understand? That's why I'm not going to be in subjection to a deacon board. He said, why? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be persuaded by men. i got no problem having some men around and, and sometimes getting counsel from men and different things like that. But I'm not going to have a church. I'm not going to be a puppet on a string. You understand? Why? I'm going to, God calls me to preach. God tells me what to preach. There ain't no deacon board. Nobody going to tell me what to preach. Now, some preacher calls me up. Say, say Brother Lovely called me up. Say, preacher, would you come do a prophecy? You know, Mark Fields did that to me. Come teach us about prophecy. So I already knew what I was going to do. I went down and preached on prophecy. If Dax called me up when he was pastor, he wanted me to come down and preach on pastoral authority. So I was going to go down. I already knew what to preach. I, I got no problem teaching certain things that men request. But every one of them preachers will tell you, if God leads you otherwise, do otherwise. Yep. Brother Ireland asked me to come up and preach the first week of June. So I'm going to go up there and preach for Brother Ireland. He goes, you want a theme? I said, yeah. He said, a closer walk with Jesus. I said, well, I got some ideas. He said, I ain't telling you what to preach. He said, I'm just telling you maybe a theme. You know? So I said, well, I'll pray about it. He said, just do whatever God tells you. But if they ask me to do something specific, I got no problem doing it. Right. But I'm not saying they're... They're telling me what to preach. If a man, if I got up and preached against something and a man, a rich man in the church got up and said, I don't ever want to hear that stuff again, I said, I don't ever want to see your face again hit the door. I got no problem doing that. Amen? Because men like Jim Lynch, a man said, boy, we're going to have that kind of preaching around here. The guy pulls up in a cowboy Cadillac four-door dually truck, tells him, we're going to have that kind of preaching around here. Don't ever want to hear that kind of preaching. He preached on television. So Wednesday night, Jim Lynch got up and preached the same message all over again. <laughs> I said, that's my kind of man. That's, that's, those are the men that I, was, I cut my teeth on. Hey, man, guess what they did? Those men put out the word, and they took Jim Lynch's son, and they threw him down and slammed his head against a culvert and split his head open. And Jim Lynch wound up resigning church and going to Valdez, North Carolina. But in the process, got his son to where he hates God and church because of wicked men. But I thank God for a man like Jim Linson to stand up against those men of that church. I said, see, those are the guys I cut my teeth on. I'm not trying to be a rebel. I'm trying to be Bible. I'm trying to be what Paul said. God called me, and he said, I'm not going to please men. If I please men, I'm a servant of men instead of Christ. So I don't want to be a man's puppet. I'm not a puppet. Hey, preacher, we're going to pull your strings, and you're going to dance when we pull your strings. I'm not, I'm not dancing. Amen. I'd rather pastor a little church on the side of the road. Amen. Try to peep teach people that want to come in and hear the word of God. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to teach the word of God. And I want people to come in and hear it. Say, that's what we want. We want fed. Talk to us. Amen. I don't want to get involved in all that kind of religion, John. Amen. 
Look at what he says, verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. You need to understand that verse right there kicks Acts 2.38 square in the teeth. That's opposite of what Peter preached. You want to help somebody, you go to the book of Galatians, it'll help them. It's not Acts 2. Verse 13, For you have heard of my conversation, that's his manner of life, and time passed in the what? Jews' religion. How that beyond measure I persecuted who? The church of God. Can I help you with something right there in that verse? If you want to help some mid-dispensational uh, Christianity, these hyperdips, the church was before Paul. Paul was killing Christians before Acts 9. The church started before Acts 9. He was persecuting the church of God. And then what did he do with the church of God? And what? Wasted it. <laughs> There's a bunch of preachers out there can't tell you when the, when the church started. I can tell you one thing. It started before Paul. Amen. <clears throat> Hello. Verse 14. And profited where? In the Jews' religion, above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the tradition of my fathers. He was more zealous than the tradition of the fathers. You know what the tradition of the fathers was? They had a religion without God. They went through the motions. God said, I'm fed up to hear with your offerings, your sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats. I hate your fasting, your feast, your sackcloth and ashes. Amen. He told David over there, he said, it's a broken and contrite heart what he required not sacrifices of lambs and all he said I'm sick of it you guys show up you go through the motions you pretend you're worshiping me he says you draw a mile with me with your mouth but your heart's far from me God said I'm sick of it and that's what I am I'm sick of that kind of stuff he said what I want to serve God with my heart my whole heart I sought him with my whole heart whole heart Christianity <laughs> that's what he's looking for and a broken and contrite heart, man. People all over the altar today. Pouring their heart out before God. Man, that's what he's interested in. A broken heart. He's interested in somebody falling holy completely because they love him. Not because they have to. Religion and Christianity gets caught up in doing, I got to do this. I got to do that. God, forget it. I got to read my Bible. Why? Because you have to? Because you want to. Do you want to hear from God? If you approach that book, say, man, now's the opportunity to sit down and eat. God's table. <laughs> God, I don't know what meal you got prepared for me today, but as I open up my eyes, would you order my steps in your word and feed me something from your book? I'm not reading this because I have to. I've got to get my three pages in a day so I can read it through a year. I'll read it and ask him to give you a devotion. Read it and say, God, talk to me from this book. I said, where do you think my messages get spawned from? Reading the book. I seen some things this week trying to help her. Amen? Seen some things. You know what? God, open your eyes to the book and show you some things. That's definitely against the grain of this world. Amen? He was more exceeding zealous of the tradition of his fathers. I mean, when it comes to it, he was killing Christians. Look at Acts 22.
He's talking the next 22 minute, brethren, verse 1. Fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silent and saith, I verily am a man, a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law, and of the fathers, and zealous toward God. As y'all hear this, I persecuted this way unto what? Death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Amen. And also the high priest has bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom also I received letters unto the, unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto the Jerusalem for what? For to be punished. Let's go to chapter 26. Chapter 26, verse 9. 26 verse 9 I verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ he's doing this for tradition he's doing this for his religion he thought that Jesus was contrary to his religion so he was fighting Jesus Christ which thing also I did in Jerusalem and many other saints did I shut up in prison having received authority from chief priests when they were put to death I gave my voice against it and I punished them oft in every synagogue, compelled them to what? Blaspheme, being exceeding mad against them. I persecuted them even in strange cities. You know what he did? He'd get them down and make them blaspheme. He'd torture them to such a way that he'd make them blaspheme. Randy Pike, a missionary to South Africa, said, he said, he said, I put your feet in stocks and take a rubber hose and begin to start beating the bottom of your feet. He said, I'll get you to say anything I want you to say. You know what Paul was doing? He's compelling Christians to blaspheme. Boy, what a wonderful man. You know what he's doing? He's doing that for his religion. He was doing that for what he believed God wanted him to do. You know what the Muslims are doing right now? They're out killing Christians because they think that's what their religion wants them to do. Jesus told them, he said, there's a day coming that they're going to kill you thinking they do God favor, doing God service. Amen? Look at, look at Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. This is what tradition is doing. This is what religion is doing. Amen. That's what the Muslims are doing. Amen. They got a tradition. They got to pray five times a day wherever they're at. Listen, the, the, the Muslims are blind do whatever they got to do to promote Islam. They don't care. There's exceeding, exceeding zealous for Allah and Muhammad. And they think because somebody draws a picture about Muhammad, that's their duty to kill somebody over there. They believe committing jihad against all religion, taking over the world for their God, killing anybody standing in their way. They're doing it just like Apostle Paul. They're lost. They're undone. they got to have a meeting, a personal encounter of Jesus Christ. Right? Paul was no different as a Jew as the Muslims are killing so-called Christians today. Look at what he says. He said, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went on to the high priest and desiring letters amen to Damascus to the synagogues if he found any of this way whether they were men or women that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem and as he journeyed he came near Damascus suddenly shined round about him a light from heaven and he fell to earth in a voice uh, and heard a voice saying unto him Saul Saul why persecutest thou me you know what he's doing Jesus Christ took that personally and said those are my children when you persecute Christ you're persecuting Christian, when you persecute a Christian, you're persecuting Christ. Christ takes it personally. We're in his stead. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? 
And he said, I am, and the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished. He said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? <laughs> Paul got converted. He trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, placed his faith in him on the Damascus Road. He was out killing people and murdering people and causing them to blaspheme. And one other passage over there, he was consenting unto the death of his martyr, Stephen. Stephen was martyred, and Paul stood right there. He gave the nod, kill him. And he watched him stone. Boy, that rung in his soul. That rung in his heart. I wonder how many times Paul went to bed thinking about Stephen. You know, Stephen asked the Lord to forgive them that did that thing. I wonder how many times Paul thought of Stephen. And maybe in his heart said, Stephen, forgive me. Just wonder how many times he's done that. <clears throat> Paul got converted. Yep. But he got delivered from tradition. Tradition. He thought he was doing God's service, hailing men and women into, into prison and killing them. Listen, those Muslims think they're doing that. The Jews think they're doing it. The Catholics, they think they're doing God's service. They've been trained traditions. Muslims and Jehovah Witnesses, Jehovah Witnesses are trained. Do not take literature from a Christian. Do not listen to any of their materials. People are everywhere say, don't listen to a Christian. They're warned about us because we'll tell them the truth, and the truth will make them free. They don't want them to be free. They want them bound. That's why preachers, and I hate Baptist preachers, put people into bondage. You've got to show up to church. You've got to witness. You, know, you don't got to do, do nothing. You understand? I don't want a church that got to us. I want a church that wants to. I want you to tell somebody about Jesus Christ, and I want you to want to. I want you to fall in love with Jesus Christ so much that you can't wait to just get up and say, Hey, man, do you know Christ? Would you like to join his family? Would you like to be born again? He's so precious to me. Save my soul and washed away my sins, and he can wash yours away. Cry out to him in faith. He'll wash away your sins. Listen, that's, I want you to be able to do that. I ain't going to try to make you, force you, bully people into doing that. Amen. A lot of preachers try to shame people into it. I want to love you into it. I want you to fall so hopelessly in love with them that you just got to share the gospel with somebody. Amen. That's the right way, ain't it? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's go to First Timothy chapter number 6. Now, well, let's not. If I go there, i got too many other points going into 1 Timothy 6. Let's go ahead and end there. Uh, I'm telling you, God's good. I love Him. He loves us. And uh, listen, you got to beware of philosophy. you got to beware of vain deceit. you got to beware of tradition. Amen? Some traditions are good. Some traditions, you know, some people got every year they have a homecoming or something like that, or every year they got a certain preacher in for revival. That's good. But sometimes you got to throw a monkey wrench in it because people get too used to hearing a certain voice. And sometimes just stir it up to let them hear a different voice. Sometimes you can do that too much. And some people, you know, every year we're going to have a camp meeting. Every year we're going to do this. Well, how about doing something different? Amen? Sometimes the people fall asleep. Sometimes sit in a different place in the church. Sometimes it'll bless you. Yeah. It blessed us today with our ladies moving, didn't it? Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, listen, God's good. See you on the third pew next Wednesday. Amen. Brother Nick, would you dismiss us? Brother?